This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hi, this is Iana, Adeline, and Elijah from the Padawan Report. And you're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. May the force be with you. Welcome, everybody, to another edition, a live edition of our Mando Weekly wrap-up. Um, across the stratosphere, I see Brad, my co-host, sitting comfortably in his home. Brad, how's it going? It is going pretty well. Uh, we had uh, one of the probably best episodes of Mando this week, ready to get going, started talking about that. But, uh, you know, how was your uh, how was your Thanksgiving? And your, your Padawan had a birthday, right? My Padawan had a birthday, 16 years old. Thank you for asking. I had to work on Thanksgiving because uh, news is 24-7, brother. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, we had a little celebration on Saturday. His birthday was on Friday. He wants to uh, build a gaming PC. Um, he's, uh, made his parents really proud. So, uh, with grays and everything. Um, so, uh, we are, uh, building a gaming PC for him and, uh, well, he's gonna, I'm going to help him build it. So that, that'll be, uh, really cool. Uh, I guess we have to start this show off on uh, somewhat of a somber note. We just got the uh, got the news today, the sad news today that uh, film legend, uh, just a good human being, and uh, Darth Vader himself, uh, David Prowse, uh, passed away yesterday. He was 85 years old, and um, I know uh, Vader is uh, your favorite character. You said it many times. So, uh, what did what did David Prowse mean to you? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, sad news. Uh, the death of Dave Prowse, as you said, uh, he passed away in a London hospital. Uh, finally, uh, the family has yet to release uh, what he died of, but uh, I think he retired back in, uh, what is it, 19 or 2016. Um, but uh, yeah, Darth Vader, man, uh, it was a shock. Uh, I know he was ill, and I, I think I knew it was coming. Um, you know, quick story, uh, George Lucas gave him a choice when he was being cast in Star Wars, uh, to play the lovable Wookiee Chewbacca or the menacing bad guy, Lord Darth Vader, the Dark Lord of the Sith. And Mr. Prowse said that, uh, his choice would be an easy one. Uh, he selected Vader because I'll quote, uh, you always remember the villain, and uh, we certainly do, and we certainly will remember Darth Vader and David Prowse for the, for the ages as one of the most memorable villains in cinema history. Uh, we uh, thank him for his legacy. Um, I do have, uh, you know, one or two collectibles that have been signed by him. And, you know, everybody asks, what would be the one thing that you would grab from your collection if your house was on fire? Um, his uh, signed mini helmet would be definitely one. Um, I've said it before, so uh, uh, rest in peace, Mr. Prouse. Um, 
and may the force be with you. What about you? <clears throat> well, I'll tell you what. Um, you know, when if you ask most people, you know, what's the first thing you think of when, when you uh, think of Star Wars? I think Darth Vader will probably get at least 90%, uh, even, even more than Luke Skywalker. Um, you know, he, he made that character. Um, you know, he had his struggles later on uh, with Lucas, Lucasfilm and, and all that. But, you know, all that aside, he was a he was a, a very good human being. He even, uh, you know, did some work back in the 70s to I think there was a lot of traffic deaths that they had uh, over there in the UK. And, you know, he was on some commercials to help bring those down with new sign postings and things like that. And, uh, you know, so just, uh, you know, I guess gentle giant, uh, you know, uh, you know, him, Peter Mayhew, they're, they're both just uh, fantastic human beings. Uh, so, uh, you know, yeah, definitely uh, we'll remember him and the work that he did. He, he made Darth Vader. So, uh, as you said, may he rest in peace. Yeah, he, uh, his uh, character during that campaign in uh, England was the Green Cross Codeman. And of that role, he says that that was his proudest achievement uh, working, yep. uh, educating kids on safety uh, while crossing and uh, obviously not living in England. Um, we don't know. We haven't really seen those on TV, but, uh, you know, again, Gentle Giant, uh, he says that and obviously Darth Vader, but that is uh, his proudest achievement, working with kids and, and educate them, educating them and, uh, uh, you know, creating a legacy for them as well over there. So, uh, yeah, kudos. Uh, rest in peace, sir. Absolutely. So, yeah, we got a lot of people in the chat. Uh, thank you for joining us on, on this Sunday night as we record. Uh, Nicole Marie, uh, Force of Light, Delays of Force of Light Entertainment, thank you for being here. Dave, uh, also thank you as well for being here. I'm glad you guys could share some time with us. We're going to talk about Chapter 13 of The Mandalorian. Uh, I guess we just call them by their chapter titles or chapter numbers. I think that's easier at this point. Chapter 13, The Jedi. Um and uh, I promised everybody on Twitter I'd be dropping a theory here, and I will. Uh, I gave a little bit of a teaser, if uh, you were paying attention, about an hour or so ago on Twitter, what that theory might be uh, regarding the child, but we'll get to that in good time. So uh, just overall, before we get into the details, of the, what, what were your overall thoughts on this episode? Yeah, I can't wait to get into it, but uh, I tweeted uh, a couple of minutes ago, right before we started, that uh, you must be doing a, a little happy dance, uh, because uh, one of my theories, uh, just right out the window, first uh, yep. couple of minutes of that episode, uh, my theory went right out the window. Uh, if you guys remember from last time, I had uh, posed the theory that we won't get to see um, uh, real fast. Uh, spoilers, obviously. Um, you know, we're live uh Today, we are hoping that everybody has seen the episode. If not, uh, we'll give you a moment to uh, go back to Disney Plus and watch it. But we are speed. We are talking spoilers. Um, so one of my theories, uh, if you all remember, is that uh, I didn't. Re I didn't think that we'd see Ahsoka until the very last episode, and maybe towards the end of uh, that episode of this season. I think um, <clears throat> I was kind of thinking that, uh, you know, in between season, you know, uh, in between the new season, uh, this season and the next season, that we would have a lot of speculation to do on everybody's uh, shows would uh, be talking about, you know, Ahsoka Tano and, and how we're going to see her. 
But man, right off the bat, um, we get some Ahsoka Tano action, and uh, I am all here for that. I, I did not expect that, um, and I loved it. Yeah, I'm just glad that for once you were wrong. Um, yeah, I wrote that in the show notes. He's like, well, what's this all about? Hey, uh, yeah, he's wrong for once. I've been wrong on every single theory. So uh, take my theory tonight with a grain of salt. But I think I might be on to something this time. Uh, did you think visually that this – one thing I, I did have somewhat of a problem with, visually this one was maybe a little bit too dark. I know that was maybe supposed to be the juxtaposition, maybe with her lightsabers and that sort of thing. But uh, do you think overall it might have been too dark or is that just me? Um, you know, it, uh, it reminds me of a question during the uh, whole Game of Thrones debacle when people were uh, trying to figure out if that battle, that final one of those final battles was too dark or if people had their yeah. TVs kind of adjusted incorrectly. Um, I didn't, th- you know, I mean, obviously the tone was dark. Uh, the shots were amazing, and we'll get to, to, to talking about that in, in a minute. Um but I, I'm not sure. I don't think it was too dark. I think uh, it, it was, um, I don't know. Let's see. Let's, uh, you know, as far as tone goes, obviously yeah. there was a certain darkness that was going on. But, uh, you know, Dave Filoni di- uh, directed this one. Uh, you had uh, the director of photography, Barry Baz. I don't remember how to pronounce his last name. Uh, it, I do- I doin. Anyways, Baz, uh, the director of photography, uh, you know, they're bringing in some heavy hitters. Uh, both uh, him and uh, Greg Frazier were uh, DPs on Rogue One. Um, so, you know, they, they, they know how to light. They know how to, you know, do their thing. Um, I can only imagine how they communicated with uh, Dave Filoni, him and uh, Dave and, and Baz. Uh, you know, I, I would love to see those drawings uh, as far as how they communicated, how to set up shots, how to light them. Um, but I think they did a fantastic job. Uh, was it too dark? Back to your original question, I guess. I don't know. I kind of like, uh, you know, a dark, moody Star Wars, uh, for me anyways. You know, people uh, you know, people have problems with the dark night because it's too dark and somber, but uh, that's, uh, that's how I like my, my sci-fi and my fantasy. Yep, we'll we'll get into the details here in a minute, but I want to talk about some cameos. Uh, they have been loading it up. I mean, cameos have been their thing since you know season one, episode one. Uh, we had Michael Bean this time. I love him uh, from everything he's been in Terminator, sure. uh, Aliens, um, and uh, so it was good to see. Like when I first saw him, I was like, is that him? But I was like, yep, that's definitely him. You can tell by his mannerisms and his voice. Great to see him in action. And uh, I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on the magistrate uh, Morgan Elspeth. Want to talk about her actress? Well, that's funny because uh, in my notes I said getting back here to the final to the to the main story here, we find uh, that Ahsoka is after some information from the magistrate Morgan Elsbeth, probably the most normal Star Wars name I've ever heard. Right. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think she was fantastic. We'll get into uh, who she might be, uh, a little history on 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 her. Um, but um, if people in the chat if you did not know that is bruce lee's goddaughter uh she is a filmmaker and a stunt coordinator uh in her own right and it was really great to see her um obviously you know we'll we'll talk about it when we get there but uh you know that fight towards the end was amazing um you know uh someone brought this to my attention it was jessica from um 
Dark Saber Light uh, podcast. Uh, they were talking about how um, her character, the markings on her forehead uh, were... Let me see if I can remember this. Um, uh, Ming Po, does that ring any bells to you? No. Ming Po. So... Uh, that was a theory dropped from Reddit uh, regarding uh, check out Clone Wars, and I think there was a there was an episode where the Mandalorians, um, you know, decimated the those people, and uh, here we are with uh, someone that may or may not be part of that uh, that group. Um, again, you know, there's just a lot of you know really great rich stories in this galaxy. Um, that uh, are really, you know, a, a deep dive to a lot of the stuff that came before. And obviously we'll get to a little bit of that uh, later on. But um, I find it very exciting. I find yeah. it, uh, you know, I had a discussion uh, earlier with some from the people. But, um, you know, what do you think about, uh, you know, we got Dave Filoni. He is uh, knee deep in, in Star Wars. He knows what he has been doing you know, from Rebels to the Clone Wars, but uh, we're starting to sneak in some some of that uh, lore, some of those characters, some of that story. You know, it's almost a continuation of that. What do you what do you think of all that? It's just amazing how well he's weaving it all together. You know, mm-hmm. we've <clears throat> talked many times how we feel the sequel trilogy is disconnected from the uh, OT and the, and the PT, but, you know, the way he's incorporating you know and then these are his own works you know rebels uh the clone wars um and 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 weaving them all together if the stories were disjointed before he's fixing that and he's fixing that in a way where it it doesn't feel like he's fixing it it almost seems like some of this was by design if it was by design i'd I'd be amazed you know uh, if they had forethought and, and i don't think it was but he's making it feel that way and uh, so it's great. And we're back to where we should be, as we, you know, you and I said from when we started this podcast, we're back to where we should be, where we're just Star Wars fans discussing theories on who is this and, uh, you know, where do they come from? What is their story? You know, you know, what's going to happen there? And that's where we should be. You know, when, when Star Wars fans are bored, that's when they start bickering and fighting and infighting. <laughs> um, so we're back to theorizing again. And I think that's what drives this industry. Um, so yeah, I'm happy about it. Absolutely. Especially when, uh, you know, everybody and their grandmother has a star Wars podcast. Uh, I was, uh, fortunate enough to have a little time and join the, uh, ladies, uh, over at force of light entertainment, uh, earlier today, uh, great podcast, great discussion. And, uh, everybody in the discussion too, uh, had some really, really great points. I love it. I love, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, we're able to do that and, uh, you know, give me more, give me more. Yep. This is fantastic. So as we said at the top of the show, uh, you were wrong. Uh, we, we saw Ahsoka right off the bat. Uh, so what did you think about Rosario playing Ahsoka? What do you think about Ahsoka's look, uh, her fighting style, the lightsabers? You know, how, how do you think uh, Rosario delivered in, in this episode? I was completely satisfied. And actually, you know, I, I didn't think about it too much as far as anticipation went. Uh, one, because I didn't expect to see her right away. But two, you know, um, one of the episodes that you didn't join us uh, on a long while ago, Alex and I talked a little bit about Ahsoka. 
Um, and, uh, you know, we had this discussion about, uh, this is even before we even knew that Ahsoka might be coming into the Mandalorian, but, uh, uh you know, we obviously had our fears, uh, about the character coming in and looking too cosplay-ish. Um, you know, her look is very unique. We are all obviously all used to the way she looks in, in the cartoons, and, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to lie, I was a little worried, but uh, honestly, her mannerisms, her fighting style, and I'm talking about the live action version now uh, that we see in this episode, <clears throat> her mannerisms, her uh, her little side smirks, her fighting style especially, um, ripped right from the cartoon, right from, from Clone Wars, right from Rebels. I am, uh, you know, ecstatic at what they have done with Ahsoka. And now it's really great because, you know, casual fans that may or may not uh, have uh, absorbed all the extra material, they get to know uh, Ahsoka and who she is and, and why she's so important to the story overall. You know, it's, it's, it's great to obviously to be one of those Uber fans that have uh, known Ahsoka from the beginning, uh, you know, and then having, you know, us grow with her. I I think it's fantastic. I think she did a really great job. I think uh, they all did a great job putting this together and putting this story, you know, out there for us to enjoy. Yep. And it was good to see that uh, Ashley Eckstein congratulated her on joining the Ahsoka family. So that was good to see. And, you know, you talked about her mannerisms and I noted the same thing. And I even noted that she had some of Anakin's mannerisms. And I'm not talking about Anakin from the movies. I'm talking about Anakin from the Clone Wars cartoon. Um, you talked about her side looks that she had when uh, she was fighting that one guy and, and he decided he was going to just turn tail and run. The look that she gave him, that was straight up Anakin from from the Clone Wars. That was something he would have done, make somebody crap their pants and then just let them uh, run off. Um, so, you know, Rosario has been fighting for this uh, you know, that role for, for quite some time. So she, you can tell that she loves the material and the character as well. Um, but, uh, just the, uh, detail that they had with the lightsabers, um, and her, her little spider monkey fighting style, as you said, straight out of the, the cartoons. So I think she did an amazing job. I know some people, uh, brought up, uh, on social media that they had a little problem with the lore, um, you know, where was Ahsoka during the original trilogy? Uh, why are people calling her Jedi? Um, and uh, I think, you know, again, the, the nitpicky stuff that we have going, it, it's, it's, it's useless. But, you know, as we all know, um, the Jedi, number one, she renounced her uh, Jedi title at the end of, or I'm sorry, at the end of chapter or season five of uh, Clone Wars. So she was not technically a Jedi at that time. Um, and you know, as far as why they call her Jedi, uh, I responded to somebody on Twitter, you know, we saw at the end of, I recommend everybody watch the last two episodes of star Wars rebels. And we'll get back to that, uh, why I recommended that. But you see that, you know, she's now wearing the white robe and everybody called her Ahsoka the white, you know, much like Gandalf the white and Lord of the Rings. Um, I, I think she may have brought that, you know, I think she may have, um, been ready to call herself a Jedi again. That's not, none of that is spoken. Uh, but I think she may have been ready to call herself a Jedi again. Um, when Bo-Katan knew her, um, she was a Jedi, uh, at least in the, in, in the clone wars timeframe. Um, not in the, uh, rebels timeframe, but in the, in the clone wars timeframe, she knew her as a Jedi. So that explains why she would call her Jedi and just the general 
population, if they see a force user with a lightsaber, they're going to call them a Jedi. They're not going to make a distinction, you know, did she walk away? They, they see her as a Jedi. So I think those complaints are very uh, nitpicky. Um, and all the Jedi were in hiding during the, we don't know exactly what she was doing in the original trilogy, but we know for the most part, um, you know, Hera and the gang were, they, they were fighting with the rebellion, but as far as Ahsoka, um, she was most likely in hiding that entire time or on the run from inquisitors and everybody else. So I think those complaints are pretty much unfounded. Yeah. I just put up a uh, comment from Phoenix night flame. Uh, I hate the argument about Ahsoka not appearing in the OT. Did they complain when in the EU, they brought back a bunch of Jedi in the post Endor era. Star Wars has always done this. Um, what do you think of that comment? I mean, it's, it's great. It's right on. And let's face it. Just logistically people, these characters were created after the original trilogy was made. I mean, you know, 30, almost 30 years after, or 30, actually, yeah, 30 years after the original trilogy, these characters were made. So, of course, they're not going to appear in the original trilogy. Uh, they, they added characters. They added depth to this universe. So, of course, they're not going to be in the original trilogy. But that doesn't make them any less valid, and it, and it doesn't mess up the lore. There was, you know, as someone who's studied this for, for, for years now, there, there is nothing in this episode that disturbed the lore at all, as I see it. You know, this this episode started strong. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've seen a couple of complaints uh, now, really, about uh, how Ahsoka is going around killing these people. Um, but, uh, you know, Michelle and Natalie, our Red 5 Network sisters, uh, did mention that, you know, these uh, Ahsoka was trying to get some information and try to get to uh, to free these uh, villagers, et cetera, et cetera. These were bad people. Um, and like you said, I mean, you know, she doesn't identify herself as a Jedi and, uh, she, you know, she was on a mission, whatever mission that was, uh, you know, to, to get, uh, that information. But, um, I think it was a very powerful introduction, even for some casual fans that, uh, don't know who this Ahsoka person is. Obviously for us Uber fans, it was fantastic. Uh, I mean, again, I, I can't stress it enough. You know, ripped from from the Clone Wars, uh, her mannerisms, her fighting style, and cinematically, you know, the way that uh, they shot that was was pretty intense and amazing. Yeah, I, and I like the first person view uh, from from her perspective. I thought that was amazing. Um, and yeah, I think Jedi have always used the phrase "knowledge and defense" a little uh, liberally. Um, you know, when it's amazing what the Jedi see as defense, but I think that's what she was doing. As you said, she was, you know, working for the villagers, but you know, we got that nice fight scene, the introduction between Mando and uh, Ahsoka. We found out that Beskar, uh, definitely does stop, uh, lightsabers. That was interesting to see. That was really uh, cool. Yep. She was immediately uh, attracted to the child. Uh, we can call him baby Yoda for the last time. (laughs) Um, so, and we got to see them communicate. So, uh, what are your thoughts on, uh, on, on Grogu as we know him? It's good to say his name, Grogu. Yeah. So, uh, before that, I just, uh, it's monumental here. Um, Michelle's getting a little salty. Ahsoka freaking Tano for sure. Absolutely. But it's, it's interesting. You know, I, again, another surprise. I didn't realize that, uh, that they were going to drop that name. Uh, for the child uh, this soon. I wasn't expecting it. So uh, that's his name. Deal with it. Yeah. And uh, 
how'd you like that scene of of Ahsoka and Grogu communicating through the Force? I think that's great. I think uh, there's a lot to unpack during this. Um, you know, obviously they're communicating through through the Force, as you said, but uh, there's some other stuff that, that, that is happening there. Uh, when Mando asks uh, Ahsoka, you know, what was going on about the his powers, uh, the Force, he kind of explained it. He did a little, uh, Ahsoka did her explanation of what the Force is, you know, kind of paraphrase what Yoda was saying. And, um, wow, it, it really gave me chills because, yep. you know, you can tell that she has not forgotten, uh, what it's like. Uh, but, um, the Din Djarin is, uh, learning who this Jedi, who this sorcerer is at the same time as, you know, maybe some casual fans do who have not, uh, you know, known Ahsoka from the move or from the, I'm sorry, from the cartoons and, and, and shows like that. So it's, it's really fascinating. Um, one thing that really interests me whenever it is brought up, especially in this show, because we are post Return of the Jedi, is when these characters talk about Jedi and the Force and and, and all that stuff. So it's uh, for me, it really piques my interest to figure out what people are thinking, what the general public are thinking, uh, you know, in universe about you know this post Jedi era, um. And this was a, a perfect example, you know, Din Djarin not knowing what uh, the Jedi is or the Force. Uh, it's it's really cool. Yeah, and uh, we talked, you know, on our propaganda episode and everything that the Empire did everything in their power to to wipe out just even the name of the Jedi. So, you know, it, people think, oh, you know, Din Djarin should have known more about you know, Jedi literally, but just pay attention to the damn films. Like the empire wiped all, you know, you know, you had uh, Tarkin, you have very few Thrawn, you have very few people that knew anything about the Jedi still living to tell about it. Um, anybody willing to speak publicly, you know, uh, there actually, there's nobody willing to speak publicly about it. So no one's going to know about the Jedi, but, uh, Dave in the, in, in the comments here, uh, talk about, is this what, uh, Ahsoka has been doing? in the original trilogy going from planet to planet and, you know, helping to free people. Um, I, I think Dave's right on. And we saw that in the Ahsoka book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even in that, wherever she goes, she can't help, but help the people. Um, you know, and that's why she had such issue with the Jedi to begin with. Um, they were worried about these, you know, protecting the Republic and all that. Uh, she saw that, you know, she was much like Qui-Gon. She saw where the Jedi Order was going wrong. Um, too much, you know, they, they were in, in bed too much with the Republic, who was failing, who was crumbling. Uh, and they weren't doing their basic mission of just helping people. So it is quite possible and it's probable that she was just going from planet to planet, helping people out. Um, so yeah, I think Dave's right on with that. And I think that's what she was doing, doing what she can to help the people, uh, throughout the galaxy. But as she communicated with Grogu, we, we got his backstory. Um, and, uh, we'll get, we'll get back to, uh, one of, uh, Ahsoka's comments, but we get his backstory and we find out that Grogu was indeed in the Jedi temple. Uh, she said he was trained by many masters. Uh, and uh, for everybody that paying attention, this is where I'm going to go ahead and drop my theory so you can uh, write this one down and see how right or how wrong I am. Again, I I've been wrong d- about I everything. A, is. I need a drum roll yeah. here. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Ahsoka mentions that uh, right at – so Revenge of the Sith time frame, uh, as Order 66 is going on somewhere around there, 
he is taken from the temple. She doesn't say by whom. And then the next line she says is, and then his memory goes dark. Now, I posted on Twitter uh, that I would be dropping this theory, and I mentioned that he's one of the children of the Force, uh, and therefore he was the future of the Force. Uh, those two names are names of episodes from uh, the Clone Wars series as well as the Rebel series. Children of the Force was from the Clone Wars, and the future of the Force was from the Rebels cartoons, both of which, again, are Filoni creations. Uh, so I think everybody's led to believe that it was a Jedi that took Grogu from the Jedi Temple. I don't believe it was a Jedi. I think it was Palpatine. Or one of the people working for Palpatine, such as possibly an Inquisitor, that took Grogu from the Jedi Temple right around that time frame where there was lots of chaos going on uh, somehow was able to get him out remember this whole time uh, you know Palpatine is thinking 17 steps ahead of the rest of us he's always working on his contingency plans we mentioned the M count uh, from the last episode midichlorians perhaps Yoda's species is especially high in the midichlorian count and he knew that he would need that high midichlorian count this was his contingency plan his insurance policy in case anything did happen to him i think he eventually he knew vader would try to overthrow him because that's what sith do so as his contingency plan he or again somebody that worked for him uh got grogu out of the jedi temple at that time and uh from there you know where his uh, memory goes dark. I think it's, you know, there's a reason why they use the word dark and they emphasized it. You know, uh, he's doing whatever, um, you know, to him, experimenting on him, uh, maybe conditioning. Uh, we, we don't know, but uh, I think he may have actually been taken by the Sith at that time. Um, so we will see, but uh, what do you think? How far off do you think I am? Do you think uh, I might be onto something, or do you think uh, it's much more simple than that? She was actually talking about a Jedi. Well, uh, you know, I don't know. At this point, <clears throat> anything is possible. At this point, 50 50, uh, you know, uh, are the odds here. Um, but uh, we got uh, everybody reacting in the chat. Thank you very much. Uh, let's see. Palpatine is a nice catch all because he had basically unlimited reach to do uh, anything during that time uh, from James. Um, yeah, that that would be interesting. Um, the only hole I see is uh, so Palpatine took this child and where did uh, where did he put him um, or somebody that was working with Palpatine, you know, maybe one of his uh, priests, um, where did they stash him? And uh, he obviously either escaped or was freed. Um, you know, how does that story kind of play out? But um, again, 50-50, who knows? I, I think it's, uh, it's ripe for the picking. And uh, like you said in an earlier episode, I mean, it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan because we can kind of speculate and figure out you know, what, uh, what some of our ideas are. Um, anything goes as the song says. 
And uh, some people in the chat mentioned Jocasta knew she was alive at that time. Uh, she did escape Order 66. Uh, she was later killed by Darth Vader. Uh, again, this is a different kind of spoiler alert. That happens in the uh, Darth Vader comic series. Uh, she does die later on. Uh, no mention of anything related to this. I, I don't, you know, it's, it's a good idea, but I don't think so. Um, she doesn't seem to be at all uh, concerned about that. Uh, so I think if this did happen, it would be at the same time that Vader ransacked the Jedi Temple in Revenge of the Sith. So I think while everybody else was getting executed in the temple, that's when they would have, um, you know, left with the child uh, to wherever, you know, whether it be an Inquisitor, Sith Acolyte, um, Noob Tashu, and anybody like that uh, could have taken them. So I think it would have been at the exact same time that uh, Anakin... Uh, destroyed the temple, or Vader at that time, destroyed the temple. I don't think it was before. I don't think he could have gotten away with it then, so I think it would have been during Revenge of the Sith um, at that time. But uh, I'd like to hear uh, people's thoughts on whether I'm way off on that, so leave us a comment uh, in the comment section of this uh, YouTube video when, when you see it, uh, or uh, you know, on Twitter, on social media. But uh, yeah, that's what, uh, that's what kind of ran through my head as she was talking. The um, another thing Star Wars fans being salty about was um, Ahsoka saying, uh, uh, "I've only known one other being like this," you know, referring to Jedi Master Yoda, and oh my God, she forgot Yaddle um, <laughs> yeah. again. People were uh, going crazy. Yeah, how dare you forget Yaddle? Well, everybody posted that doesn't know much about Star Wars because Yaddle disappeared from the picture. Uh, after episode one, she was on the Jedi Council in episode one, but she was never seen again in episode two and episode three. Where she went, we don't know. The The canon is very minimal on Yaddle after um, uh, the Phantom Menace, but we know she's not part of the Council anymore, so she could be um, – she, she's somewhere out there in the galaxy. Uh, and with thousands of Jedi, uh, she wasn't around when Ahsoka became – uh, Anakin's uh, Padawan so there is you know all the justification right there that Ahsoka never would have known Yaddle so Yoda would have been the only Jedi master like that that she knew she wouldn't have known Yaddle um, so uh, yeah and we, we won't talk about her the, the special effects or lack thereof uh, <laughs> the makeup and the costuming in episode one um, but yeah Yaddle was there uh, you basically have to look at still photos to see her nowadays. But yeah, Yaddle was there, but she disappeared. So Ahsoka would not have known about Yaddle. You know, it's it's funny because, uh, you know, there were many missions during the Clone Wars. There were many uh, battles. And uh, I would just kind of chuck it up to, you know, she was sent somewhere to, to help uh, fight or help negotiate or something. And she just didn't make it. It's as simple as that. Uh Again, there's a lot of characters in here that uh, go in and out. Um, you know, wars are messy, and uh, she might uh, she might be the victim of uh, something that happened uh, during one of those missions. So I, I really don't have a problem with uh, Ahsoka not remembering uh, Yaddle myself. Yep. Uh, so Ahsoka puts Grogu through these uh, mini trials to see what his connection was with the Force. She couldn't get him to move the stone. Um, but it was nice to see uh, Din Djarin using the ball, that the little metal ball from his ship that he knows that uh, Grogu likes. 
and was able to get him to display his force abilities. But uh, shortly thereafter, uh, you know, she, she recognizes it well, but she senses fear in him and uh, she sees his attachment to the Mandalorian and she refuses to train the child. Uh, again, social media, uh, some, some people got mad at that. Um, what, what are your thoughts on Ahsoka's decision to not train Grogu? Is that, is that the right move? Coming out of uh, all this new material and, and everything that we now know of how perhaps the Jedi uh, have uh, failed in the, in the modern era here of Star Wars, uh, it, it totally makes sense, obviously. You know, I, I made a joke on, uh, on, on Twitter about that specifically. Uh, why can't a Jedi send an email? Because attachments are forbidden. And I think it goes along to that, uh, you know, tongue-in-cheek, obviously. But, uh, you know, she senses, uh, and she mentions the fact that she knows another Jedi that had attachment, and it didn't go well for him either. So he does. she doesn't want to repeat that. Um, I think it's... Uh, I think it's very forward thinking of the storytellers to kind of introduce that to say, you know, really, um, you know, when we train Jedi, they have to start from scratch uh, without attachments. And, uh, you know, if Luke was too old to be trained, I mean, this 50 year old, uh, whatever species he is, is definitely too old, especially now that he has formed this attachment. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting for many reasons. It's interesting that the fans are not picking up on, on stuff like that. But it's also interesting that uh, they're kind of going in that direction. I think uh, going forward, you know, we're going to. You know, if they ever do decide to go back uh, after episode nine uh, to do any training, uh, it'll be interesting to find out how they do it, how they train Jedi, how the new Jedi come in into fashion. But uh, we'll see what happens during this story. I, I think it's fascinating. Yeah, you got to pick up on these nuances. Like you said, um, Dave Filoni has a deep understanding of these nuances and he's going to throw those in there as he should. You know, it's got to be noted that Ahsoka throughout the episodes says, I cannot train him. She doesn't say I will not train him or I refuse to train him. She says I cannot train him, which means, you know, it is, be, you know, she either it's beyond her capability uh, to, to train this child as she sees him. So she doesn't just refuse. She says she can't. And, and there, there's a difference there and there's a nuance there. And Filoni picks up on that. Um, so, you know, I think it's the right move. I think there's an interesting comment from Anthony. Uh, I'll post that up there. Uh, this kind of attachment is a strength, not a weakness. And I think, uh, what do you think of that comment? I think, uh, you know, I, I think for, for us as human beings here, our attachments to family and friends and loved ones is a strength. Uh, might be a different story uh, in a galaxy far, far away. What do you think? You, you got to put it in perspective. You have to have empathy. You have to put yourself into Ahsoka's shoes. She saw her master who she thought was the best person in the universe. She, you know, watched the Clone Wars. She literally, you know, basically worshipped the ground that Anakin walked on. She loved him, um, you know, as a teacher and a mentor. But she, uh, along the way, she figured out what happened to him. And she figured out and she put all the pieces together why he fell to the dark side. And she called him the best of us. She called Anakin the best of us. 
and she saw what happened to him because of his attachment. So you have to put, yes, so you and I can see it as a good thing, but put yourself into Ahsoka's shoes. She cannot see it that way because she saw what it did to Anakin. She saw where that attachment led him to the dark side. So from her perspective, there is not a way if, if, if that, you know, if his attachment to Din Djarin is going to cause him to do, to, to have fear and to have anger, then she's not going to do it. She's, you know, uh, you know, letting his, his abilities fade. That seems cruel, but at the same time, uh, think about somebody as powerful as him going to the dark side. And that's just a risk that she's not willing to take. And I think, uh, is it the, is it the move we would like to see? No. Um, but I think it's the responsible move. Um, and yeah, it keeps the story going as well. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that here in just a minute. So I think she made the right decision. Um, you know, and, uh, after that they go and attack the, uh, the village, uh, the security forces there, uh, we got we got to see HK forty seven assassin droids in action uh, again. They love some Kotor in this show. Uh, yeah, we'll I was I was gonna rep- I was gonna ask you about that. There's a lot of uh, Kotor references. There's a lot of uh, lore that are that they are introducing. You know, one thing that this show is doing really damn good is bringing you know not only the prequel uh, material and things like that. They are bringing things in from Star Wars in all media, you know, books and games and things like that. And uh, again, you know, I've said this before, Star Wars, the Star Wars galaxy is such a vast galaxy uh, of uh, potential as far as story, uh, you know, storytelling devices that it's great to see all this connected. I think, uh, you know, obviously the sequel trilogy tried to kind of connect everything. Um, Didn't do a good job in my opinion, but uh, these guys uh, here on the Mandalorian show uh, are really doing a, a uh, a smashing job, if I do say so myself. People who play KOTOR still love the HK uh, line of droids, so it's good to see. What did you think about the samurai action that we had going on on the inside and, and the old-fashioned Western that we had going on on the outside? Brad, I cannot say enough of that. Uh, again, shot brilliantly. Um, the fight sequence... Uh, you know, the only thing that I um, have an issue with is sometimes... Uh, the pacing of these fights, uh, and we saw uh, an issue with pacing in episode one uh, with, uh, you know, with Obi-Wan, uh, Qui-Gon, and Darth Maul, and then having to cut back and forth to the battle out with the Gungans, uh, you know, stuff like that. You really just wanted to focus on on, on that lightsaber battle, uh, a lightsaber battle that we had not seen in many, many years. Um, you know, the pinnacle of, of Jedi fighting against... Uh, uh, you know, a Sith, uh, a Sith at that point. But, um, that battle was amazing from the beginning when, uh, you, you, you see the staff hit the ground and you hear that vibration. Um, it was on. And again, you know, ripped from, from the clone wars and rebels, the fighting style of Ahsoka. It was an amazing thing to see in, in, uh, in live action. I got to tell you. Yeah, and the and, and just the the draw scene on the outside, you know, I, I guess your side wins, and he goes for the kill shot, but of course Mando draws first and takes care of him, so that that was fun to see as well, you know. But on uh, on the inside, uh, Ahsoka wins, and uh, we find out the information that she's been looking for 
And she says, tell me where your master is. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought that was an interesting uh, term to use, your master. And she asked, where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? And I texted you. I think I grabbed my son a little bit too hard uh, and, and maybe shook him a little bit too hard when she uh, said the words <laughs> Grand Admiral Thrawn. Poor um, kid. Yeah, he's 11. He can take it. Uh, he, he, so uh, you know, what, what were your thoughts when she mentioned Grand Admiral Thrawn? I did not expect that. Again, you know, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, in previous episodes how, you know, the the Internet and social media are kind of ruining surprises. But this one was like out of left field. I'm like, whoa, did he just did she just say Grand Admiral Thrawn? Holy shnikey. Uh, so I'm glad that we're still getting these surprises in this show in star Wars. And I'm glad that, uh, again, they're just bringing it, uh, bringing it full circle. One of the things that I noticed from somebody's post, and I can't remember who it was. I, I texted you, a, a an image of the logo and the insignia on sa- on the side of one of those droids. Uh, we lightened it up a little bit and, uh, you know, you can, clearly see the insignia of the seventh fleet and that seventh fleet obviously is uh, has a relationship to uh, grand admiral thrawn it's great to have dave filoni as part of this because he knows what he's doing he's bringing in all those elements he's bringing in all of the lore to kind of tie all this together and uh you know the mandalorian the mandalorian is getting better and better each week i gotta tell you Uh, Amanda asked, do you think Thrawn is Gideon's boss? Um, I don't think uh, directly. Uh, I think Gideon is... I I don't know. Uh, It's an interesting question. I I think there's different uh, branches here. Um, I I think uh, we've talked about this before. I think before we thought the First Order and the Empire were completely separate. But now, you know, with, uh, you know... uh, with, with these shows we see that it looks like the empire was just kind of uh playing a little delay game here uh, until the first order was ready to go so i think the first order and the empire are much more connected than we thought but you know i i texted uh texted you i think it was friday or saturday uh you know do you realize that we could we could have the the thrawn trilogy the, the and i'm talking about the eu thrawn trilogy uh you know almost play out here on the Mandalorian because now we're getting to the point where it kind of matches uh, where Thrawn started at the beginning of the Thrawn trilogy where he was a high-ranking member of the Empire and then he disappeared uh, and then a few years later uh, he came back um, and he came back with a vengeance. And uh, as Wesley says in the in in the uh, chat, you know that's where Mara Jade was introduced, uh, was with Thrawn and uh, Timothy Zahn's his work there. So we could see something like that. And if if Filoni brings in the Chimera, and we get to see the the snakes on the underbelly of the Chimera, and we see that thing pull in. Uh, Star Wars fans are just going to lose it, uh, and I, I'm going to be at the front of the line on, on that one. Yes. Uh, I don't think we're going to we're we're not going to see any of that this season, um, but uh, I think we will eventually. I, you know, obviously Ahsoka is trying to get to him, and um, I, I want to get your thoughts. But I believe 
she wants to get to Grand Admiral Thrawn because she knows what happened with Ezra. And she knows that Thrawn took off with Ezra. That's why I recommended it to everybody to watch the last two episodes of Star Wars Rebels because now they have much more significance again. Uh, and I think that Ahsoka is using Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, she knows he's out there and she's using him to get to Ezra. Um, now I want, you know, having watched those again, um, we knew that they had a piece of that, or they had that, uh, section of the Jedi temple that, uh, Palpatine had put there to get to the, the world between worlds. Um, now it was crumbled at the end of, uh, that episode, but, uh, who knows what happens if they were able to put it back together, but that could have been a, uh, a way for them to get back somehow. Um, so I believe that uh, Ahsoka is using uh, Thrawn to get back to Ezra, but I uh, uh, wonder if you had the same thoughts. Well, you did uh, pose that uh, that directive, I guess, to go and watch the last two episodes of uh, of Rebels, and I did. Didn't go to bed till like uh, 3.30 in the morning, so thank you very much for that. Had to wake up early, but... Uh, You're welcome. You know, when I see Palpatine, especially voiced by Ian McDiarmid, uh, which this was, uh, those images, and I posted it a while ago, you know, those images of, of him walking out of the uh, ruined temple there when it's uh, Palpatine and and uh, and the Emperor, you know, back and forth, you got that little glitch. Um, you know, yeah. my blood was boiling, man. That was, uh, that was chilling. But uh, definitely, you know, getting back to Amanda's question about, uh, you know, who the bad guy is and who the main villain is, uh, I think, you know, obviously now, a couple of years after Return of the Jedi, uh, Palpatine, uh, for all intents and purposes, is, uh, is dead. Darth Vader has been eliminated. The, you know, the Empire's still around, but I think... You know, the galaxy is in turmoil. Everybody is fighting for power. I think uh, we don't have just one uh, adversary. We have a series of them. Uh, and we've had a series of them from the beginning. You know, we have all the crime syndicates that have been still operating. Uh, you know, the the Empire is in cahoots with these crime syndicates. And <laughs> obviously, you know that uh, that uh, could be a reality based on your JFK uh, <laughs> research. So we, we have uh, we have a lot of things there that. Um, that go along with that, uh, you know, whether it's Gideon or other, I guess, other ex-imperials that are trying to, uh, you know, fight for control. Uh, some other ex-imperials that maybe we haven't seen. Uh, Thrawn, obviously. You know, now is the time where we see the wars in Star Wars because uh, everybody's fighting for control now that the two uh, the two head honchos uh, of the Empire are gone. So uh, I'm looking forward to this. I I, I love the fact that uh, we have more of this story to kind of play around with. And I'm very excited. I, you know, I, I mentioned this uh, a while ago too. Uh, when uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, came out, I love seeing the fact that there's these crime syndicates kind of still working in in the shadows and things like that. And that's one of the things that's going to get me excited if we start to see a lot of more of that in in the Mandalorian. Definitely. I mean, the sky's the limit right now. There, there's so many different paths that this show is can can, can go on right now, and uh, we don't know which way they're going to take. Um, you know they've surprised us. It's it's hard to surprise Star Wars fans these days, but they've been doing it. The last surprise we got uh, was when once again Ahsoka refused to train uh, Grogu, but she suggested 
to Din Djarin to take him to the planet Tython. Uh, and I was so excited to hear that that name being mentioned. Uh, many of us thought that uh, that's where Luke Skywalker uh, may have been. Uh, in episode eight, he ended up on Octo, which none of us had ever heard of because it was a brand new world uh, that they created for episode eight. Um, but Tython, uh, again, you were talking about uh, references to other media, and you go to the planet Tython in the uh, Star Wars The Old Republic video game. Um, and uh, that was, you know, during the Old Republic times, thousands of years before, that was one of the most important planets to the Jedi. Um, and, uh, she mentions to take him up to the mountain put him on, uh, I believe it's called the, uh, the seeing stone and, uh, have him communicate through the force. Uh, I can't wait. We've seen Tython on, on, you know, on, uh, on a video game. I can't wait to see what it looks like, uh, using the volume on the Mandalorian. I think it's going to be gorgeous. <laughs> um, but, uh, she instructed, uh, Grogu to, uh, reach out. And, uh, if there's a Jedi out there that wants to adopt him. Uh, then uh, that Jedi will come. So you're going to make any predictions now as to uh, who do you think is going to answer that call? I mean, you have to because I asked you. Well, that uh, – I mean, who can it be? Who's alive during this time that can sense him? I really, really would love it for it to be Luke Skywalker. I would love for Mark to come back, at least to provide the voice. Uh, I would love maybe a de-aging. You know, obviously, they've got the technology to do that. They've been doing it on the Marvel Cinematic Universe for a couple of years now. I think that would blow people's mind to be able to see uh, Luke Skywalker in action one more time in some form or fashion. And if season, uh, if the next season of The Mandalorian uh, is any indication as far as how exciting Star Wars fans are going to get... Um, you would would multiply that by ten times if that were to happen. So, um, obviously, some folks in the chat are mentioning some other Jedi's uh, that may be alive at the time. But uh, for me, it would be not only great story wise, but uh, it would be phenomenal marketing wise uh, for for them to kind of bring Luke back in some way. I, I think I would I would die right on the spot. Yep. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Ezra because, um, I, again, I think uh, Ahsoka is trying to get to Ezra through Grand Admiral Thrawn unless she's trying to seek him out for another reason. But I think that's why. So I don't think it's going to be Ezra. I don't think it's going to be Luke because if it's Luke, then the show is Luke, <laughs> is Luke Skywalker <laughs> at, at that point. But we said um, that too. We said that too in a previous episode that if they start bringing in all these favorite, uh, you know, characters, that you know, it's going to turn into the Ahsoka Tano show. It's going to turn into the Boba Fett show. But so far, they're in here, and uh, we're still interested to see what Din Djarin does. Uh, so never say never. Yep. Uh, you know, somebody mentioned Sebastian Stan. That's the name that's been going around for a couple years now. Yeah. Uh, as a de-aged Luke. Um, I think, you know, hey, Rosario fought for that role, so maybe they give it to Sebastian Stan. Again, I don't think it's going to be Luke. Uh, of the names that we know, I would say the most likely would be Cal Kestis. Um, sure. One, from a, from a logical perspective, you already have the actor. Um, I'm sure he would love to bring that character back um, and, uh, and to reprise his role uh, as Cal Kestis. And, uh, you know, he, he learned – quite a bit 
uh, in the Jedi Fallen Order video game, um, even having a personal confrontation with Vader, um, brief as it were. Um, so uh, as far as we know, he's still out there. It could be that they introduce a new Jedi. I, I, I don't know. I think we'd rather see one that we are already familiar with. Um, we know it's not Ahsoka, so um, my money is on Cal Kestis. I, I think it would be cool to see him uh, on the live screen. Um, but uh, we, we will see. Yeah, yeah, even Mark Hamill, I think, probably likes, yeah, likes Sebastian Stan. I don't think, yeah, uh, and I put that in the show notes as well. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, we talked about icing on the cake, but uh, there, I guess you get to the point where there's too much icing um, and not enough cake. I, I, that's why I don't think it's going to be Luke. I think Luke is, he's out there, he's trying to do his thing, but uh, I, I don't think it's going to be him. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be him too, but um, what if it was? Um, I, I also don't think, uh, you know, Rubble Farm Boy put up there that uh, it might be a Jedi that we don't know yet. Um, you know, and again, there are people talking about how that line where Yoda tells Luke, when gone, I am the last of the Jedi, uh, will you be? Uh, kind of uh, is watered down now that uh, there's just like Jedis all over the place. Um, but again, you know, it, it doesn't really concern me. You know, like you said, I mean, Jedis were, they went in hiding. I mean, they were being killed. They were being destroyed. Um, you know, you got to hide from that sort of thing. And now, you know, later after the Empire has been pretty much, you know, destroyed, other than a few surviving uh, Imperials that may or may not want control back, uh, you know, we start seeing some that were that went into hiding. I, I don't have a problem with that. And and don't forget, you know, I'm not. Uh, this is me not being the you know defense lawyer for. Uh, for Star Wars here, but there's a reason why Yoda went to Dagobah, and that was because it did have a lot of dark side energy there. So it, it is quite possible that he was just not able to reach out and find all the Jedi that were out there. A lot of them, as she said, you know, he kind of he hid his powers uh, to survive over the years. So to a certain extent, Obi Wan and Yoda most likely did the same thing during that sure. time. So they would have had a a weak, if any, connection to Jedi across the galaxy so that's you know a good if you if you need a canon justification as to why he said that i think that would be it and we'll find out what uh, obi-wan was doing as he was hiding away on uh, tatooine or wherever it is that uh, they take this story so that's pretty exciting too Uh, we still got to give our, our Scuttle Cheeks ratings. That might be a formality at this point. I know for me it is. Um, but, uh, you know, I just uh, I love this episode. Uh, surprise from the first five seconds, as you said, uh, and continue to be surprised until the very end. So absolutely love this episode. There are not enough Scuttle Cheeks uh, on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Uh, we might have to borrow some Scuttle Cheeks from the rest of the Red 5 network because, uh, yeah, this was a really great, great episode. Yep. So just for the record, I'm going to give it all four scuttle cheeks. I don't know how they're going to top this one, but uh, I encourage <laughs> yeah. them to try. It's all downhill from here. God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Well, before we take off, we have uh, two items that uh, we want to take care of. First of all, I told you uh, in a uh, uh, in a text that I had a uh, a series of sentry uh, mode questions for you, Brad, and uh, they're all related to the episode. And oh uh, wanted to start that up. So uh, cue that jingle, Mr. Jingle Man. This is Sentry Mode. Are, are these going to be questions like, who was the guy hanging out in the alley that I didn't <laughs> see? Because uh, I missed IG-11. I still haven't seen right. him yeah. in, in the last episode. So I don't. I saw know. him. Okay. I saw him. Go, go All ahead. All right. Shoot. So here we go. Sentry Mode for this Sunday. Uh, we are dropping this episode, by the way, folks, on Tuesday with all the bells and whistles. Uh, but uh, Sentry Mode, uh, question number one. What is the name of the planet we find Ahsoka Tano on in Chapter 13? Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Corvus. There you go. Also the name of the ship of uh, in Star Wars Battlefront 2 of the Imperial Raider. So, that is correct. So uh, question number two, name the character that Michael Bean played in another famous 80s franchise. Uh, Corporal, wait, and, and, and say that again. Make sure I get this one right. Yeah. Name the character that Michael Bean played in another famous 80s franchise. And he didn't say, I'll be back. Well, can I go with aliens? You could. Well, I think because he's Corporal Hicks and aliens, so I'm going to go with Corporal go. Hicks. Very that's good. Not very a, that's good. not century mode. That's that's another universe. All right, <laughs> go ahead. Keep going. Okay, so Morgan Elsbeth played by Diana Lee Inosanto. Who was her godfather? That would be the master, Bruce Lee. There you go. Century mode question number four. Python was mentioned by Ahsoka as a place where an ancient Jedi temple stood. What other classic original trilogy character visited this ancient temple and who showed it to him? Now think of the comics now. I know you're, uh, you're a big man on the comics. Who showed this classic OT character the temple at Tython? So the question is, which original trilogy character visited Tython? Yeah, uh, and who, sh- who showed it to who him? Who showed him? Either, either well, one. It's it's a it's a two part uh, question. So okay, there's I'd two answers the, there. I'm, I'm trying to think which which comics that was. Uh, I'll, I originally I was thinking Yoda from the Clone Wars, but he never went to Tython. Uh, I'll go with Luke Skywalker from the comics. No. No. Who was? No. Rural farm boy has it. It was Dr. Afra showed Darth Vader, took him there. Oh, I'll have to go back and reread. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. I thought I, I would have thought that you would have gotten that one since uh, you're all into Dr. Uh, Afra. Well, not for the historical reasons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. All right. So the last that question. Must been, that must have been a while ago on there. That must, that must have been from a year or two ago. So number five, in the Disney Plus Mandalorian intro character animation, if you can picture that, who is first and who is last? When you see the little intro, when you see the little intro, come Uh, on, come on, come on. uh, You call yourself a Star Wars fan. Let's go. People in the chat, what do you think? What do you think? This thing's, I'm going to go with R2 first. And who is last? Vader. 
All right. So you got it flipped around and completely wrong. Anybody oh. in the chat want to? <laughs> anybody in the chat want to want to take this on? In the uh, Disney Plus animation, the B- intro, B- B- the little the, in there. Uh, C3PO's yeah, B- in there. So who's first and who's last? Anybody want to take that on? How was that a century? Mo- who who wrote these questions? <laughs> was this was this Trevor? Did Trevor do this? All right, my man Joey Rosales, he's got it. Well, Joey wins. Vader first (laughs) and Mando is last. So take a look at that. That's one of the things that, you know, you got to absorb as uh, Uber nerds. You got to absorb all that stuff and uh, pay attention. I hit skip intro so I can get to the show. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) You don't skip intro on a Star Wars show. Not at all. Not at all. This is Sentry Mode. Excellent. Joey, that is fantastic. So glad that you were able to answer that correctly. And uh, yes, you guys need to pay more attention to everything that has uh, that uh, Star Wars does, especially on there, because you'll never know when you will be quizzed. Hey, Scuttle Buddies, Ro here. I just want to say a heartfelt thank you to our patrons, wonderful folks who have found it in their hearts to support what we do. We're lucky to have you. Folks like Amanda, Jedi Caligula 89, Joey Rosales, the Salty Crew at Salty Nerd Podcast, Alex and Matt, super fan of all pods on the Red 5 Network, Nicholas Schaefer, big thanks, Nick, Chad at Hyperspace and Holocrons, and Jay from Florida. If you want to be even more involved in the Scare of Scuttlebutt community and feel like becoming a patron, we'd really appreciate it. Head over to patreon.com slash scuttlebutt. And until next time, remember, it's always sunny on Scarif with patrons like you. All right, Scuttle Buddies, thank you very much again for that wonderful, wonderful show, and thanks for hanging out with us. As promised, I'm announcing the two winners for our The Takeover Contest, our little scare of swag uh, dealio that we had a while ago. If you guys noticed, the child, who now has a name, has taken over the scare of uh, account a couple of weekends ago, and we asked you to look at uh, the posts and see if you can see where the child stopped off at what Chicago landmark to have a little lunch. And uh, two people entered and two people won. We uh, had the correct answer uh, from both of you guys. The Shedd Aquarium in Chicago is where he stopped off to have a little snack. Poor little squids. And the two scuttle buddies that entered and answered correctly were Darth Hound and Rez. So thank you guys very much. Your scare of swag is on its way. That is our Mandalorian weekly review. We usually drop these uh, or record these on Sunday. I'm glad we did this live, Brad, because uh, there was a lot to unpack. And uh, everybody in the chat, thank you guys for joining us. We had some new folks in there. But, uh, yeah, you know, can't wait. Uh, We've got, uh, what, uh, 167 hours till the next episode. (laughs) But who's counting? (laughs) But who's counting? 
on behalf of uh, the uh, Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast, I am Ro transmitting to you live from Chicago. Take it away, Brad. Just remember, it's always sunny on Tython, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Take care, everybody. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. Red 5 Network.